Uh, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of the India Independent Films podcast, where uh, we talk about films in general, but focusing uh, a little bit on film writing aspects. Uh, my name is Pankaj Sesteva. I write on my blog uh, Dichotomy of Irony, and I also contribute some articles on the uh, India Independent uh, Films website. Uh, I have with me again Rahul Desai, writer and critic for the Film Companion, and also for other publications. Uh, in the past few episodes, you know, we spoke about editing, cinematography, sound, music, supporting actors. Uh, last time we spoke about screenplays, and today we'll continue a little bit of discussion again on the screenplays aspect. Um, before I begin, uh, Rahul, how have the last few weeks been, and what was your most memorable watch since we spoke? Um, yeah, the last few weeks have been, I guess, like. normal business but uh, I, i think for me my most memorable watch over the last few weeks was watching the web series guilty minds uh, which released on amazon prime because i don't think a lot of people had heard about the show before it was going to come out it was one of the lesser hyped shows uh, for such a big platform and i think a lot of us were quite pleasantly surprised by how solid concrete and well researched the series was and you know fundamentally sound also and i i knew of the director because she had made a film in 2016 very few critics had watched it uh, i think uday me and maybe a couple of others uh, uh, had watched her film uh, called jugni uh, and i had quite liked that film very much and uh, you know ever since then i was waiting for her to uh, to sort of do her next project and i'm glad that it's something long form and something uh, uh, something so um, so you know sort of well made because uh, i mean the thing about making legal dramas in india you know i mean it's very easy to fall into uh, certain uh, you know fall into certain stereotypes and and to sort of subvert what we know about the law about courtrooms about the life of lawyers so i thought it was a very um, i thought it i really enjoyed watching that series in that week over the few days that i did i enjoyed writing about it because there were so many layers to go through uh, it wasn't just research it was so much more than that the narrative was uh, uh, good it reminded me of like made in heaven but you know set in a sort of legal uh, in set in a legal world and it was quite authentic as well um, the director comes from a family of lawyers so uh, so i wasn't surprised to see that it was you know so uh, well done uh, yeah apart from i think that web series i i watched worst person in the world again just yesterday Uh, i had watched it a couple of months ago as part of a film festival but uh, i just rewatched it yesterday and first time on the big screen and it absolutely blew my mind uh, like my perspectives totally opened up i learned so much so many new things about the film while watching it uh, it's releasing on mubi i think uh, on friday uh, this week and so for those who haven't watched it do catch it and uh, it is one of those films that can really you can have millions of conversations about that films everyone will relate to it in their own way uh, so i really enjoyed watching that film right i've seen just the first episode of guilty minds and i really liked it uh, you know the, just the first episode and yeah. i can watch all sorts of legal dramas especially you know even from the good wife to suits i can watch yeah. any legal drama because that's one of my favorite genres because law is always fascinating it is it uh, is Mm. yeah okay uh, you know so today what i thought about uh, uh, to talk about rahul was like you know i'll talk about certain specific scenes or certain films 
which uh, would relate to screenplays, you know, like would you would understand like what is the larger point of that question. So you can be uh, just give your thoughts about that scene or how it fits into the narrative. Okay, so uh, let me first start with uh, Gangubai Kachawadi. Okay, I recently saw this film and we've spoken about biopics earlier. But to me, the film felt very episodic, which, you know, a lot of critics have uh, written about it. Uh, so as critics, you know, we don't really talk about how to make a film. But for a minute, you know, let's say you were the writer of that film. Mm. What you would have changed the film to make its screenplay much more better? Well, for one, you you sort of called it out, right? I, it would definitely make it le- less episodic, especially in the second half. Because if you notice, the first half and the second half are very different in terms of uh, in terms of writing, at least. You know, because the tone is more or less the same. You see a character grow through the film, which is fine, which every biopic does. Uh, but but the first half was more organic in terms of uh, in terms of you know the protagonist and her personality and her uh, the things she needed to do to you know sort of establish herself onto the narrative uh, that's the thing you know like so with biopics we've seen this time and again the mostly hindi biopics the entire things are episodical right there are wikipedia points or there's research points and you just uh, design a few scenes according to every phase of life and that's what we can literally see uh, the PowerPoint presentation that the writers probably use while making, uh, you know, you can see the boards, you can see uh, how they've designed it. And that, that that ability to see how they've designed it should not be happening in a biopic like that, because that leaves nothing, uh, uh, you know, it leaves nothing, no space for breathing or to be organic. So I feel like because Bansali is the kind of filmmaker that he is and operates on such a large scale and, uh, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, is known for a certain kind of filmmaking. I've always felt like his writing has lacked uh, a specific type of craft and skill, you know, because I think he's so confident in his uh, in his visual uh, in his visual style and in his uh, in the way in his aesthetic in general uh, that I feel like he has always sort of um, not really taken writing as seriously as he should have. And it's you know, and it's fair. It comes with its uh, it comes with its uh, loopholes as well, but it it's also a strength in a way because, you know, a lot of people go to his movies to see that kind of cinema, to be blown away by the world building and by the acting and by the, by the, by, by what you see on screen, by what, not what is conveyed through uh, what is the uh, narrative that is happening. So, you know, I would have definitely sort of really um, not let the narrative sort of jump uh, the kind of uh, uh, time, uh, you know, the kind of time leaps that it makes in the second half, where you don't really realize that time is passing. You just feel like they are really hitting beats that they need to because that's what happened in her life. And they just remembered it's a biopic. Because till then, it was a nice character-driven drama. You didn't really think of Gangubai as a biopic till the interval. Like, it really... Because of Alia's perform- performance as well, you felt like, you know... Uh, the characters going along with situations rather than the filmmaker defining situations and laying them out for you. Uh, but, you know, in the second half, it's it, like the film suddenly woke up and realized then, shit, you know, uh, we've really bided our time till now. I think we need to get down to business. And that's where 
that's where i share your distaste for biopics as well you know that is the problem with all films throughout the film at least gangubai did it only for half the film so you know as a writer there were 100 directions to take at the interval you know there were uh, sort of concentrate on a personal aspect of her life rather than zoom out and make it a macro view of her life you might as well the the best kind of biopics are when you concentrate on a particular event or aspect of a protagonist's life and then trust in the viewers uh, to derive their own uh, sort of reading and conclusion about the protagonist's personality and their graph right like you that those are the best kind of biopics because even jobs for example the steve jobs biopic you're only concentrating on that one particular event the apple event the launch and around that event there's so much happening that you pretty much get a full uh, 360 sense of uh, steve jobs life of of him as a person of his relationship with his partner with his daughter with his assistant with so many people so so much is said by only concentrating in the present the thing that hindi biopics aren't confident enough to do is do something like that be specific and then uh, uh, allow that specificity to define your entire uh, narrative and then uh, allow that specificity to tell a story of its own and to let the viewers make derive their own conclusions about the protagonist you know here it's very on the nose because it happened because they don't want to disrespect history because things can get messy here and you know lawsuits can be sla- uh, slapped against filmmakers at the drop of a hat by the family or by the people who own the story uh people a uh, lot of filmmakers play safe and i feel like bansali is very safe in terms of his writing you know it's not like he takes massive leaps he just he knows his strengths which is good which is nice and he's never really deviated from them uh but uh, that's what i would have definitely done i would have really concentrated on, for example on the rivalry between her and vijayraj's character right uh, uh, vijayraj's character came in the interval and disappeared right after that how can you do something like that with an actor of that stature with a character so interesting with an antagonist that could have really defined gangubai's uh, uh, sort of her battle in the area in 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 kamatipura uh, uh, her legacy could have been defined through their particular say a month in their life but you know they just reduced characters to milestones in her journey uh, and they shouldn't have done that because alia bhat is so good and she is so capable of doing anything that you know you could have really really concentrated on one particular event and uh, let her acting and let the let the film do its own talking right right uh, totally and i uh, share your sense on especially the vijay raj character it was already shown in the interval there was nothing yeah. new so i not interval the trailer in the trailer yeah yeah there was and then i was like okay where did it go so i felt yeah second half it just lost team after she wins that election yeah, yeah. uh it just got a little like okay she's going to meet nehru but nothing comes out of it and yeah, uh, yeah. okay and then that's how you already covered you know sadar udham did that just that incident Right. Yeah, Sadar Udham built up to that incident, right? And and uh, even though it still sort of hit the entire sort of decade or decade and a half in the protagonist's life, you know it was about a specific event. Like not a lot of films do that. Right. Okay. Now my next question is another film. Now you might remember Section Three Seventy Five. You yeah. know. It's a difficult film to make and also a difficult film to review. I felt. uh because a lot of uh, critics especially female critics just 
stand the film because you know how it treated the suspicion in the eyes of that victim and i read your review and you know it was very nuanced and uh, you mentioned some things in there so how do you uh, evaluate films like this in terms of you know uh, not coming across as uh, sexist yeah. or male chauvinist like you know you're ignoring that uh, yeah. whole me too movement yeah so you know the thing about reviewing films like that uh, and you know so many other films is that you have to accept the fact that your bias will speak either as a male or female right wing or left wing uh, uh, you know whatever it is your bias will speak and reviewing is that's the whole point about writing about films it is subjective it comes from your point of view of the world so i was very clear like while writing it that obviously it's going to come from a perspective of a male critic i'm not going to act woke for the heck of it or i'm not going to act like i uh, like i understand both sides because i'm not in the position to understand the other side the fact is that i'm reviewing it from a particular perspective the important thing is all perspectives are needed and i absolutely like uh, i read a lot of reviews especially by uh, you know a, a lot of prominent female critics and uh and i totally got where they were coming from as well i was like you know what if i was uh, maybe if i was in their position uh, maybe if i was reviewing a film like that I, i would totally see it from that perspective and when i was uh, writing about the film i had i had a feeling that you know uh, this film would be panned but uh, you know I, i it is it was a tricky film to review i'm not going to lie about that it it is never easy to uh, to distinguish between what a filmmaker is trying to say through his film and what uh, uh, what the film itself is saying right uh, and that's the thing with films like article 375 you have to figure out uh, whether that is the filmmaker's world view or that is just the film's world view and uh, uh, you know things like kabir singh things like you know uri the, all all of this fall in the same category so you have to see how how honest it is and when i say honest it is i don't mean that it should subscribe to my world view or my point of view or right or wrong it should be about whether the filmmaker has conviction enough to craft an entire film around a problematic point of view uh, and it was a tough film to i'm sure it's a tough film to write as well you know it's not uh, it's not easy to be uh, sort of to even make a film like that in this current era and rightfully so uh it should not be easy and and i you know the controversy that followed was entirely warranted and entirely expected as well uh but i actually enjoyed the film uh you know i i actually was very engaged with the film from uh, uh, the point of view of what, of a narrative of what it was trying to say uh, of the fact that you know it, it was trying to basically not be balanced exactly but it was trying to sort of really uh paint a, a, a different picture of what we might have preconceived notions about and and you know i don't really remember what exactly what specifically what specific things i wrote in that review but i do remember thinking that uh, this might not age well you know this is something that uh, obviously male critics will have a different perspective about and this is something that people might call us out about but the only thing you can do is be honest about where you come from and the privileges you come from uh with uh, I, and that's the only point of view you can review a film from because i uh, i cannot possibly write that uh, uh, you know it, it is uh, it, it is a bad film because it does not subscribe to what i think uh, uh, that happens 
quite often, especially in the current landscape, we live in that there's a risk of happening all the time. So, uh, so yeah, that that took me a while to write about or to review to even come to terms with. Uh, and eventually, I, I have a feeling that you know I might have uh, sort of maybe enjoyed the film a little more than a lot of other critics might have. Right. Uh, I'll just read one line. You didn't like. I may not agree with the overall purpose of the film, but it does an effective job of contextualizing the collateral damage the men to fall out without explicitly taking sides. Uh, so, in one sense, hmm. Section three seventy five is brave, foolhardy, almost. Uh, like a very fulfillment mm. exercise, but yeah, because I felt like it's a very difficult film to yeah review <laughs> without coming across as you know like or you don't get this uh, side of things because you're not a mm. uh, female you know that sort of yeah. Okay, now my next question is another film you know which is relates to uh, the visual aspects of you no know, violence in films. No screenplay yeah. uh, is writing, but it also a visual medium. And I've seen like you know some of the films have become very violent, not as mm. titillation, which was you know part of the eighties and nineties, but something a film like Bull Bull, you know, a good film otherwise, but had some very uncomfortable, uh, gra- almost gratuitous violence against women. Uh, those scenes like where he's hitting her. So um, again, like. Uh, do you enjoy these kind of films sometimes like these things or is your take on how graphic it is yeah i mean i it really depends on sort of the perspective of a film you're watching right like something like bulbul you know is a very visual film uh, so there is sort of it, it sort of swings between beauty in its aesthetic and you know taste in its aesthetic and they are trying to find beauty in gore as well or like uh, or sort of darkness in gore as well so you know i didn't mind it so much in bulbul as uh, as say uh, because the entire film had a visual aesthetic that i could have gone in and the the red uh, the red and the blues and the greens sort of really uh, i mean you can call it pretentious so you can call it like really getting carried away with your visual aesthetic but eventually if you're making a film like that which is entirely based on, on a particular kind of image or tone uh, then you know i don't mind the fact that especially that you know there, there's a i think there's a rape scene with a bun, uh, with a, a lot of you know on a bed with a lot of yeah. white uh, yeah. you know right like a white sari sort of thing uh, going all over the so i mean it was so designed right it felt like it felt like they were making uh it felt like they were choreographing a sort of dance at the same time but then is it consistent with the tone of the film it's not about uh, uh you know it, it is uh, the one way to look at it is it is gratuitous in, uh, in in turn in terms of the screenplay but in terms of what the film looks like and what it's trying to convey through uh, the world building and through its visuals uh, uh i thought was you know it it really walked a very thin line you know between being mm. exploitative and being uh, actually eye catching and affecting the view on a more visceral level um, so you know i didn't mind it that much there and even in a film like pari uh, i i didn't really mind it as much because it sort of went with the world that they created you know it went with the uh, the demon that goes around you know sort of 
killing people and all it sort of works there but i did mind uh, you know i do mind it in films like for example just last week thar released uh, uh, i'm not sure how many people have watched it yet on netflix um uh, but there are a couple of scenes of gratuitous violence in that uh, there is an assault sequence there is there are a lot of torture sequences in that film uh i'm not saying they shouldn't have been there but i think there were instances of the filmmakers getting carried away uh with trying to convey a particular kind of uh, uh to, trying to trigger the viewers enough to justify the screenplay of the film uh because you know that film sort of almost becomes it, it is a bunch of genres sort of colliding together and uh, i i felt like there were a lot of scenes that didn't need to be there because that is it's sort of distrusting the uh, the the sort of intelligence of the viewer as well so when you know you're pushing when the film makes it obvious that it's pushing the viewer to feel a certain way or to get angry or rage feel rage or get triggered then that's a problem like uh, uh, and i found that a little bit in thar it didn't need to do all that because a lot was conveyed through silences a lot was conveyed through texture and world building and uh, you know a, a viewer's imagination is far stronger than what they show on screen and the unseen is far uh, more potent than what you see so you should leave things like that to a viewer's imagination uh, it really worked for example in a film like promising young woman you know the end scene the final sequences mm. of promising young woman shows uh, a woman being smothered to death and it's just really long it goes on and on and on the camera lingers on her feet uh on her body like writhing in pain and trying to survive uh so you know there it sort of works because that again the film is sort of that's that's the entire film that's what it's building up to that's what it's trying to uh, sort of make a statement about and and it, it depends really on a film's point of view and whether it's coming uh, from a female protagonist or from a male protagonist perspective uh what the filmmaker uh, is trying to achieve through saying uh, through saying something like that because otherwise tarantino films would have always been criticized right. for exactly that right like uh, or, or a lot of other films even scorsese goes overboard with gore all the time and you know it, you never really find a problem with it because you know they know that it's almost uh, it's almost uh, uh, it's almost as much about filmmaking as it is about real life in most of the films and and they have fun with it uh, a lot of times and they they don't really it's not very self serious and that self seriousness i found in a film like thar and i didn't think it was needed because it felt like they were filling screen time to sort of really provoke the viewer and that's not a good thing right right and that's why, you know kill bill is such an enjoyable film because yeah, uh, it's you know there is so much violence but it's still like it's very much fun to watch this uh, yeah okay now you know there was dil dhadakne do in that there was farhan akhtar's character sunny and there is that one scene where he sort of defends priyanka chopra's character aisha in front of uh, her husband rahul bose did you like that scene and did you feel it was organic or was it just added to seek you know show his feminist credentials do you remember that scene yeah i do remember that scene very well uh, uh of course you know so i i that films the the scene that you're talking about kind of worked for me because they established farhan akhtar as a journalist first of all who's probably travels the world reporting and all 
so the wokeness really is part of his nature like it's part of his profession it's part of his job so if you think about it that's also his default mode to a lot of things he sees he's more exposed to the world than the family that he comes to on the ship right uh, so i found it fairly organic in that sense because uh, it wasn't like it was one of the characters on the ship doing that right or i don't think it was only there to defend priyanka chopra's character it was as much to convey the personality of the farhan akhtar character who we only heard about till then you know who we only seen heard about and we don't see flashbacks also which i like about the film as well so we only heard about their relationship in 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 snippets and uh, and you know that that is for me actually what didn't work a little more than what did work was you know rahul bose is very on the nose sort of uh, uh, sort of masculinity and misogyny and sexism because uh, you know i feel like sometimes when an actor is limited in a certain way you tend to be a little on the nose with the writing as well and i felt like rahul bose's character was a little more inorganic in that scene than say farhan akhtar's character so i actually didn't mind it because you know that that's the thing about the farhan akhtar character he is he sort of self made is educated and uh, he probably reacts in terms of also social media hashtags and in, in terms of a lot of uh, trends and movements that he he probably covers on a day to day basis so to see, to come home to that was also him realizing that okay this is the world i left and this is why i left it because they are still very small minded and i'm actually disappointed in someone like priyanka chopra's character because uh, i mean that's what he's thinking that he's disappointed with priyanka chopra's character for even putting up with something like this despite running a company so you can sense a lot of that in farhan akhtar's uh, uh, in in at least the composition of his character uh, did you have issues with that uh, scene i just felt i mean you know as you said like uh, i just felt that scene didn't it was just came all of a sudden uh mm-hmm. like on that party they're having this thing and it just felt to me it didn't feel as organic enough as i felt like you know it was just added because you know farhan akhtar also has this ngo called mard uh, that sort of a thing so i thought like okay maybe it's pointing towards that or and i, I also don't like you know uh, as is rahul bose's character he was made too obvious to hate you yeah, know yeah. so obviously why she's sticking around so there was no nuance to that character of course it's a writing choice but i just felt you know i still remember that scene that it didn't go well uh, for me at that point in time and when i even look at made in heaven i liked it but i just seen like their writing is too uh, too obvious you know that like you have, yeah like you know you have to hate this character they are not <clears throat> as complex uh yeah. that's why made in heaven i have not watched again uh it, it looks uh, a little like okay like you know even that first episode it's so obvious they make it you know like like ghee i remember that yeah. ghee something yeah, yeah, yeah. like a ghee and then i was like uh, it's somehow very pretentious <laughs> yeah, no i i totally get what you mean like when you because there's such a thin line between obviously you know because uh, a lot of these filmmakers who are making films today are very aware of uh, how the world looks on the internet right or on social media and the sort of politically political correctness the wokeness the uh, you know the entire sort of 
the as you said you know an ngo like marud and all you 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 are very aware of that so the challenge is obviously to not let it seep into your writing that self awareness that consciousness that obviousness uh, that you're trying to actually earn brownie points with a particular demographic rather than letting the characters act organically so i totally get where you're coming from as far as even the farhan akhtar character in that scene is concerned mm-hmm. or even maiden even which is a good example because even i haven't revisited after watching it the first time so yeah okay now you know uh, gangs of wasipur completed 10 years a few days ago uh, how did you place that film's contribution in you know uh, in hindi uh, cinema and is there any film that you like more part 1 part 2 although he has made it as just one mm-hmm. so how did you how do you place gangs of wasipur i mean i looked at it as one film uh, mm-hmm. you know so i uh, so that was you know it's immense in terms of hindi cinema because there has never been a film on that scale like that and when i say scale it doesn't mean like mounting it it's just the narrative sort of uh, bandwidth of that film uh, and we've always craved to have a film of our own like that right for the longest time you know uh, we we've grown up on films like godfather and scarface and the gangs of new york and so many other films uh, which do it so well in the west and uh, we have never really seen something as rooted as that so that is really a magnum opus that i would call a magnum opus not a sanjay leela bansali film that is a film that i thought is immense in terms of how it also changed the landscape of casting in hindi cinema because all the actors if you see all the faces that you see in that film for the bit roles of a lot of the supporting roles in that film went on to become the actors that we know today who we can name our household names in web shows and in films and like pankaj parties and all nobody knew of them then mm-hmm. and so that's the one thing i really like no matter what i think of anurag kashyap as a filmmaker how he's evolved how he's not evolved um him and his entire that film school uh, gang of his that you know all of them sort of came up uh, with him uh, I, i feel like they they really changed the way uh, we view texture and performances in hindi cinema the way, the way we view small town cinema because uh, because for the longest time you feel like a genre like that like gangs of wasipur it would be so natural to watch a film like that in in, in the hands of any other filmmaker ape the west right not just mm-hmm. stylistically but culturally also uh, with a lot of shootout sequences with a lot of action sequences but everything was very very rooted like the 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 bihar that we see in that film the dhanbad we see in that film it just i haven't been there myself but you know i don't need to be there to know that this film is as uh, authentic as it gets in terms of where it's situated and what it's trying to say so i, I just feel like we don't give enough credit uh, to anurag kashyap at least and especially to that film because till then he was still sort of really uh, easing his way into the uh, the mainstream hindi film landscape and that is his most mainstream film till date and perhaps his best film as well because uh, you know the black fridays and the devdays and all we can talk about till forever and that's a very cinephil way to do it as well we all love those films as well in our own ways but gangs of wasipur is that marriage of two different sensibilities of two different uh, it was his coming of age as a filmmaker too as a storyteller too and the way and i will uh, uh, forever be grateful to that film for for the way it sort of really privatized and sort of uh, 
democratize the casting industry because after that uh, we have seen this this outburst of uh, of of faces that we've been seeing for years and years you know like uh, the as i mentioned all the all those faces the rajkumar rao's as well because he was nobody then and not, um, none of them were really known for anything at that point of time but uh, that that film uh, taught us to look at uh, hindi cinema a certain way and to always trust that there are like all the people who come to bombay to be struggling actors to be to have bit roles in films and all there is a different route for them as well and the, uh, you know it's no coincidence that after that the ott industry sort of started like a couple of years later after that is when it took flight and uh, uh, and it became easier for a lot of so lo- a lot of ott shows that we see today the well made shows like patal log scam into they owe a huge amount of debt to a gangs of persepur because without that film we would not have the the ocean and the ocean of talent to choose from uh, and also the 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 sheer the fact that we recognize them far more than we did like 10 years ago because it's easy to forget when gangs of persepur was made there was no digital sort of platform then it was just cinema, it was just cinemas it was still old school it's almost impossible to think of now but the fact that it came out and it did the way it did well it sort of arrested the imagination of an entire generation of new filmmakers as well uh, yeah that is is what we call a landscape defining film and then what do you think happened with bombay velvet <laughs> yeah bombay velvet yeah i i think anurag kashyap got carried away with uh, you know with being versatile and being you know trying to straddle both sides of the film industry and uh, I, i feel like you know he by his own admission you know he didn't know what to do with so many resources and uh, he he was sort of right. like a fish out of water when it came to the budget and when it came to the scale of the film and i think he must have realized then that scale does not mean physical it mm. means narrative and it means uh, texture and it means so many other things so yeah i mean of course it leads to mistakes like that and it but you know I, i'm pretty sure that uh, actually finally if you think about it if not for gangs of vasepur he wouldn't have even, even attempted a bombay velvet because yeah. that's where the confidence came from right like otherwise he would have just kept making the films he was known for making so yeah i mean bombay velvet is natural progression for most filmmakers that make it like that right now you know there was rahul dhulakia's rise okay uh, sharukh starred in it uh did you think it glorified the gangster i think uh, i'm not a big fan of that film i actually don't remember much of that film mm-hmm. either but i do think that even if yeah sure it didn't i don't think the screenplay glorified the gangster as much as sharukh khan's performance in that film you know like like his performance in dawn as well like it mm-hmm. was so over the top and stylish that it sort of glorified the antagonist or a terrible person and all which is fine in terms of like mainstream masala movies and all. and raul dolakya also trying to break out of his mold to make a film like that and that often tends to happen when directors like him uh, kaash sharukh khan and we've seen that with a lot of other directors as well directors who are known for a certain kind of films then cast a superstar and they end up subscribing to his language rather than him subscribing to their language and i found his performance Uh, to be the problem in that film and to be, it was too self aware it was too superstary it was too uh, uh, full of his sticks and his styles and his i he was sharukh khan in that film he was not so much you know raise and not so much because the film itself had a lot of potential and it was a very fertile screenplay it was a very 
it it cut across a lot of times that were need, needed to be talked about in hindi cinema and uh, it it conveyed a certain sense of dread and anxiety of a certain era uh, uh, and i found that daddy did that very well compared mm. to rise because in my head those two films are companion pieces and i feel like uh, ashim aluwalia did not compromise uh, with his vision and that's why it was a very inaccessible film i think a handful of people have seen daddy and arjun kampal in that film who was very good in my opinion uh, but but a film like rise because it has shahrukh khan is a very scaled up version and a loud version of daddy and that's when you end up not knowing whether you glorified the gangster or you have humanized him and the the problem with a lot of hindi film directors when they sort of notch up the volume to that scale is the, even they don't know the difference and i guess a performer like shahrukh makes it more difficult to do that right that's a great answer i agree and you know if you look at uh, other films like um, dilwale even like all the shahrukh films they it's all shahrukh who is sort of failed with those people not the other okay, way around not the other way around uh, even like jab hari met sejal uh, or yeah zero so, uh, yeah zero and like uh, so yeah it's just a very nuanced answer i thought you would talk about you know general stuff but yes it's absolutely sort of right like it's more shahrukh i mean at some point he has to like be telling his filmmakers that it's me it's not you because i hope he realizes that at some point because it can't be a coincidence with so many fine filmmakers making the worst films with him it's it's a problem right right now uh, you know there was this film dostana uh, 2008 it came and uh, do you think a film like that would work today and also like is it um, you know it was sort of we usually say don't punch down uh, but it did it in a humorous way uh, so what's your take on dostana <clears throat> and its writing in general so you know the funny part like i mean obviously i think a lot of us enjoyed that film when it released um, it did not age well you know the world has changed a lot in the last 10 or 12 years um, and sure it's easy to say it wouldn't fly today you know it, it would cause a lot of controversy in fact it would you know it would like critics would have panned it left right and center right now and but i have a feeling that the controversy it would cause today would actually make it do well with the masses you know it's we are living in that kind of sort of knockback era like you, you everything uh, if a controversy or if a film is made badly or made in with distaste in a particular way or expresses a controversial point of view then it's a controversy that sort of makes the film do well so yeah on a literal level i'd say a film like that uh, would not fly today but it would st- still do well if it released and that is on only the business side of things that i'm talking about but i don't think it would uh, it would be any different from a lot of sex comedies we saw in the years after that and before that you know a lot of kya cool hai hum type of films and also i thought dostana was a more focused version of something like that and uh, it was humorous in the sense that it sort of uh, it, it sort of like a lot of people might say it started a conversation in a mainstream film industry that was uh really regressive till then there were no there were not uh, a lot of queer representation on in forget in mainstream cinema even in you know parallel or hindi indie cinema so uh sure you know it 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 did start something but it may not have done it right way 
but again you know film is always a product of its time so to look at it look at a film like that today would be unfair because you know it's like comparing a formula 1 car of the 1970s to a formula 1 car of now because the technology is so different and advanced even cricket for that matter if you compare the sport then to now it's just a totally different ball game so always look at i always try to look at films as you know sort of consequences of the era it is in and it, it, and there's a reason dostana did well at, at that particular time because we were very suppressed we were a hindi cinema was as aggressive as possible back then that's why film like as like anurag kashyap came up because they represented a different kind of world view so a film a film like dostana yeah i mean as much i would never watch it again for sure like we all have evolved far too much and i think a lot of people will even admit that there's a reason dostana to never really got made it would not fly today right mm-hmm. and uh, i think a lot of especially dharma and karan johar and uh, the things that they are known for today they are also very aware of their reputation online and very aware of their social currency so i don't think they would make a, that kind of film again as well right absolutely now you know uh, i'll ask about english english whenever i write or put a random tweet about something you know that movie somebody would often comment like you know she should have left laurent like uh, shashi do you agree with that i don't hmm. i don't agree with that i know i know what people mean when they say that and i think i've written it a couple of times also i think the uh, <clears throat> i think the best part about that film is that you know that i mean look at queen which is very similar in terms of its tone and all but she is a younger girl who was dumped at the altar more or less mm-hmm. uh, and went on a honeymoon on her own and then you know found herself and found in herself the courage to be herself so there you can believe it because she is at a different stage of her life she is a specific kind of girl who just about avoided becoming the kind of woman that say sashi did eventually so that would be a prequel that would be like english english but in when sashi was younger if that had happened at that particular point of sashi's life she would have left whoever the guy she was with at that point but the reality is that it doesn't work that way we've seen enough we we are indians we we've grown up in indian households we've seen our parents seen our grandparents um, you have to be honest about particular generations you can't look down on generations because they don't do what we are programmed to do today of course it's easy to say for us that oh man we would have left how dare she she's not a feminist and this and that and and you know she's been treated so badly by husband as well as you know son or, or daughter or whatever so she needs to sort of stand up for herself but the point is that marriage is about compromise a lot of, especially when it's an arranged marriage especially when it's a homemaker like sashi who then discovers that the entire world out there so i thought the best part of the film is that they did not let her leave it's not the most popular thing to do uh, but then you know neither was uh, you know ek mein aur ek to's ending either which is why it didn't uh, really work that also was a film that sort of stayed honest to the kind of characters they were in the film and i feel like english english did that very well in terms of the uh, 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 traditional orthodox indian household uh, that just because a woman a homemaker sort of breaks free does not mean she escapes or sort of uh, absolutely breaks free from what has uh, gotten her this far i feel like uh, uh, i feel like i would have loved to uh, i i keep 
I, I always try to imagine what the afterworld wa- would be in films like that, the post end credit sequences in films like that. And I feel like there would be a different perspective to her in the family after that, which is more of a victory than her just leaving, you know, cold turkey and saying, I'm going to start my own business and I found a French, uh, uh, you know, guy in New York and I'm going to stay here. The, that's not really how it works most of the time. And I know it's difficult for us to admit it, but we, but it is how life is sometimes and you don't have to always repair life in films you have to always also convey and diagnose life and that is one of the main strengths of english english i feel right and you know i always remember that one line she says mujhe pyar ki nahi izzat ki zarurat hai you know right. it's uh, that's what but it's just sometimes i also get frustrated when somebody would always comment she should have left and like married that uh, french guy but you know i get it where they're coming from but as i said she doesn't need love she needs yeah. respect and which she got sort of in the end she proved to her family exactly. uh okay now um uh, you know there is this uh, whole talk about you know like filmmakers getting indulgent uh, mm. you know like sometimes it's viewed negatively sometimes it's it works out for them are there any specific films where you like uh, some director you know doing overindulgence that you can think of or recall i remember your review of you know i just which i have written is like uh, bhavesh joshi's superhero where you criticized motwane getting a yeah. little bit overindulgent uh, like anurag kashyap mm. but are there any any thoughts on you know overindulgence or indulgence in general in writing i mean i'm i'm all for indulgences in general in filmmaking because you know it is inherently an indulgent medium you're already crafting yeah. creating a world so i'm all for it that's why i love like that's why we love filmmakers like tarantino yeah. and scorsese and so many filmmakers we've grown up in like uh, i think indulgence is a part of the language and uh, I, i you know as much as it doesn't work in some films like bhavesh joshi or even anurag kashyap say bombay velvet or whatever it is it works in a lot of other films like i really liked what judgmental hai kya did with its with colors. its over the top sort of colors and visual tone i really like what loop lapeta did with its indulgent filmmaking with a lot of critics and people had problems with i thought that really worked for the film because it was it really committed to it so i think loop lapeta is a very recent example that i thought uh, i think anurag basu gets carried away all the time with his films with indulgence uh I, i think it works in something like barfi i really like jagga jasus as well even though it didn't work as much as barfi but i would never want him to lose that indulgence and i was glad he made a film like ludo which is all over the place but it's so it's so crazy and beautiful to watch at the same time because you know you don't get to see filmmakers like that and films like that uh, uh, sort of express themselves in, in such a naked manner as far as the craft is concerned and i'm i'm a big fan of that and so uh I, i i think and also i'm like all of us are visual people like if uh, a lot of us grew up on films like amelie and uh, which are so visually indulgent and which are uh, even writing wise very indulgent you know with the voice overs and with the characters breaking fourth walls and all and i'm all for, i i really like that and i am actually until i'm always on the side of indulgence until proven otherwise you know and uh, and yeah i mean that's uh, that's how it even works for me in terms of writing in terms of uh, directing in terms of editing it just comes together if it comes together in a way that makes you feel differently uh, it works for me 
Okay, so you know today it's five years of Meri Pyari Bindu, <laughs> and uh, you've already spoken about it in detail. But mm. why do you think it did not do well? Uh, I'm quite surprised actually it didn't do well. Uh, but you know I'm also not surprised because again you have to look at a film at when it came out. I feel like that would have been a great OTT film. Honestly, it would have been a great Amazon Prime film. Uh, uh but then back in 2017 it wasn't like that and of course one of the most obvious things that it didn't do why it didn't do well is it because it was a tragedy not a love story right like it was a lot of people looked at it as a love story unfortunately so they looked at it in terms of oh he didn't get a happily ever after because they didn't end up together he didn't end up with the girl he loved the manic pixie he grew up loving but the point was that it wasn't a love story it was a coming of age drama of a man uh of a bengali man uh trying uh, finding himself through love like so, something like la la land did through a musical they found themselves through each other right through a love story uh, i just felt that that's the reason i think maybe it wasn't uh, presented the right way maybe because you know uh, i think uh, production houses tend to do that they try to make it more accessible to audiences and then present it as a love story and when it does not live up to your expectations of a love story then you immediately dismiss the film but what a lot of viewers don't give a film a chance to do is actually uh, reveal its uh, true identity and for me that was what the film was about like it was about a writer uh, finding his voice through uh, a heartbreak right and and i don't think it's an easy thing for a lot of people to watch in that sense because i think it's too close to home for a lot of writers too close to home for a lot of creative people and even regular 9 to 5 people as well because uh, 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 you know you 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 always look uh, for wish fulfillment in your films and uh, uh, especially in a film like that where you build up a character like parinithi chopra's to be the kind of sort of aspirational almost like uh, Uh, you know like a geet kind of uh, character in jab bhi mein then you always expect something you expect the man to cure her or to uh, to sort of uh, uh, like what happened in jab bhi mein like they find each other like they cure each other but here it, it if you look at it only from the perspective of a male coming of age story i think it was a beautiful film and i think that's the reason it also didn't work because you know there's a reason also tamasha didn't do too well because that is what it was it wasn't a love story Tara is not uh, Tara is not like a, an equal protagonist in that she is a she is a device in that film for the male and I I get it that it gets a lot of criticism for that but that is what it is if you try to look at it only in that sense of isolation of what it's trying to do then these are good films but it depends on where you start from right did you have anything with Parinthi Chopra character like didn't bother you much or not yeah it bothered me quite a lot like i was like what are the odds that the particular <laughs> character is not working uh, uh, like i think that's also one of the reasons it may not have worked because her over the top performance was too literal you know like that's the problem like as much as i love jabbi matan uh, and karina kapoor in that film that's what she gave birth to right like this entire string of manic pixie characters who are trying to be that person who are trying to so i th- i don't think pariniti did a very good job of that performance i think ayushman was very good in that it was one of his career best performances uh, i think the it, the world building was almost be- it was beautiful it was almost juhi chaturvedi like in that sense you you'd expect something like from sujit sarkar like that and i thought we need more voices like that i just didn't think pariniti was the right choice for the role 
though it would have you know obviously in that sense uh, you can look at it saying of course she is that filmy kind of person and it you know she is uh, extravagant and over the top in most of her performances these days but uh, i don't think uh, you know i would have gone with someone else maybe right right no i agree it's ayushman's best performance after that yeah. i started to not like any of his performances yeah, I know, I know. because he's just doing the same thing again and yeah. again except andadon i think i yeah. pretty much agree with <laughs> good thing you mentioned juhi chaturvedi which was my next uh, yeah. uh question you know uh, and i know we've spoken about october before uh but one thing you know that comes across uh, in her films is uh, again they are very rooted to that place uh, delhi uh, lucknow um do you have any favorite jawi chaturvedi film uh, apart from october okay which is the second film that you like <laughs> and then are there any films where you felt like location just added to the film hmm. i i really like peku the most after october and you know especially in terms of cr park and the bengali in delhi uh, sort of um, set setting in general and uh, yeah like the city and the place is always a character in her films in the film she writes the texture the the way people talk to each other and interrupt each other the 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 atmosphere in the household the you know the sound the the ambiance uh, in general is a character in her films even lucknow and Uh, gulab e sitaabo didn't work for me as much as uh, other films but it still lucknow you it's undeniable what that city yeah. is in that film um, and you know i am a big fan of cities being such integral parts of places being such integral parts of films you know uh, i mean nothing comes to my mind off the bat but i always whenever i'm writing my reviews i make it a point to note when uh, when you know because filmmakers tend to overdo it very easily when you see these hills hill station detective noir dramas thrillers murder mysteries they go overboard with the misty sort of atmospheric they aim for atmospherics and when you're aiming for atmospherics that beats half the purpose right like something uh, like uh, uh, aranyak i think or or you know something all those recent sort of uh, noir dramas that you see uh, but uh, you know i i thought um, thar which was last week again did a very good job of you know making the setting a desert setting in the 1980s a character very important character in the film because that is part of its conceit uh, and that is part of its subversion of genres of the western uh, uh, so I, i thought that was a most recent example uh, of of sort of a location being a character but uh, you know i i always a always a big fan of filmmakers who aim for something like that of writers who aim for something like that because it's just deceptively difficult to do like it's so mm. difficult i don't know how juhi chaturvedi sort of weaves in the location into her writing because of course shudit sarkar is a fine filmmaker and he you know he's very good at what he does but uh, it's just such a difficult thing to do and piku just gets that energy right you know it just gets that entire it's not just the locations it's not just the old calcutta right. old calcutta that they go back to or the cr park that we see in delhi it's the way people interact with each other the way people get annoyed with each other and that's part of the locations you know people forget that the 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 chaotic sort of energy of her writing is, is beautiful you know i don't think any other writer can do that right now and i think that's why she's one of the best screen writers we have right now Yeah, absolutely and you know even gulabo sitaba is mentioned like initially didn't work like it was slow 
but i have watched it two three times and i started to like it so much more i mean i get it where she's coming from and just lucknow is just beautiful how they have weaved yeah. uh, it in the narrative and of course you know it comes from a place of authenticity they both she grew up in lucknow and he is yeah. bengali yeah. and they've grown up in delhi you know sort of so yeah. i guess that's the, the place so now you know coming to that do you think kapoor and sons uh you know it was set in kunur i didn't think it added anything to it it would have been set anywhere <laughs> yeah it didn't add anything to it it could it's a generic hill station uh, it, it, that's not a film where the location is the character mm-hmm. at all it's just it's just that they needed a sort of nice little hill station small town environment that isn't too small towny isn't too urban at the same time i don't think uh, location is an environment in most of chakun's films uh i i was not a big fan of the way he showed la in ek mein aur ek tu uh, or you know in geraya the bombay that we see is from a very it's a very specific bombay it's a very privileged bombay and then you know you see two different parts of the city but yeah kapoor and sons is it didn't add anything to the narrative i think it was about the family more than the place they come from yeah now you remember fan shahrukh khan's fan yeah. um second half it went haywire a little bit haywire yeah. um how would you have improved it if you remember a little bit or general thoughts about fan general thoughts about fan is a, almost the identical thoughts i had about gangubai because you know funnily enough that's the first film that came to my mind when i was watching gangubai i was like man that's one way to ruin the second half and ruin the film through the second half because i hate saying tale of two halves because it's very lazy criticism it's also a very lazy way of looking at full narratives but that's how bollywood directors craft their narratives as well so you have to look at it a certain way uh, fan i just don't know why they needed to go to croatia and to london and to you know sort of expand the film into so many locations if they just kept it in bombay like fan comes back to bombay eventually and i didn't mind that part you know uh, like uh, the the entire part where it ends in 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 his locality or it uh, there's that entire manat sequence where he goes uh, you know disguised as the real star and all you know those sequences are fine it should have stayed within its constraints stayed within its limits because that then shows that the film is trying to be something it isn't when you take it to foreign locations for the heck of it you know when you sort of take it to beyond suspension of disbelief and beyond that so i think it was going a right way that 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 obsession to add action and to add different masala elements to the film really took it all over the place because I, as a as a psychological narrative as a psychological study portrait of fandom and superstardom in bollywood i think it was just on point and it was getting a lot of things right as far as the metaphors were concerned also and it would have been shahrukh khan's definitive film if the film had stayed uh, within the city i know it's simple to say that but it's actually difficult to write that into uh, a script like that so it should have done something like that and uh, yeah it's one of the biggest tragedies of the last decade because i feel like that also defined shahrukh khan's aversion to take risks after that right 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 okay now my last question for our today's chat is you know you recently wrote this column on avatar 2 and there was this one line which was also the sort of title uh, if people haven't read it it's on news 9 live on avatar 2 filmmaking is creating not just adapting and deriving mm-hmm. for those who have missed would you like to elaborate on this line 
<laughs> I mean, I am. It was in context of Marvel films and mm-hmm. what James Cameron, uh, James uh, Cameron represents in terms of okay. vision. Uh, the most, the thing I appreciate about him the most is that you know he builds worlds in the most literal way possible, and that's what Avatar is, right? It's an antidote to what we have been seeing in the last fifteen years, and I find it very interesting that Avatar two, three, four will come in the next few years uh, because it's in the era of Marvel. It's in the era of certain kinds of large-scale films that we've gotten used to, certain kind of VFX-heavy films that we've gotten used to, all adapted from comic books, all adapted from comic book characters. So that originality is something I'm a big fan of. That's why I love Christopher Nolan, because he builds things. He, he, does, not, he does not derive things. And I'm not saying adaptation is a bad thing. It's a good thing when done well. It's a, I'm all for it. But in terms of where we stand, in terms of these large-scale fantasy films, I think we need something like Avatar right now more than we need anything else because that will be a reminder of what we used to, uh, of what filmmakers dream of while growing up, what creators dream of, what viewers like us dream of while growing up, you know. Like I associate that, I associate James Cameron's vision, whether I like it or not is another this thing, but that scale, that vision, it's about creating, it's about pure creation and that is something... uh, I never thought we'd read the stage where we need something like that, but we do. And we are at that stage. Just a reminder, because we we need things like RRR, we need things like AGF2. You know, you need these large-scale sort of uh, uh, Bahubali's over the top that, that are made by the filmmakers in the moment and not really depending on previous material. So I, I feel like that's what I meant uh, by something like that. And, and, you know, that it came, that the trailer was attached to you know this latest marvel film i thought was quite poetic in that sense right i hope filmmakers also listen this to music <laughs> as well and stop the remixing oh, yeah really yeah. <laughs> so you know Absolutely. as you said it's like just re- either remaking old movies or uh, just remixing old songs it's just left that excitement out of the films so yeah. uh, i agree you know what you mentioned that's why it just struck with me you know filmmaking is creating it's not just adapting and deriving okay you make references and that that's good you add one snippet but just don't forget the whole art of you know making something interesting and great okay yeah uh all right i will thanks so much i think uh it was i felt it was a different uh sort yeah. of uh, chat today because you're focusing on film sort of things so i learned a lot so Hopefully next time we'll have a different uh, topic and we'll get back. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you.